Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. We'd like to wrap 2020 with weekly live Q&A sessions here on the podcast. So after this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support this holiday season, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Welcome, everybody. We are here to destigmatize sensitive and spirited children. Mm-hmm. They're actually magical unicorns. You're not cursed, you're blessed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Love it. We're here to dismantle conventional discipline practices and explain to you why they suck. They don't feel good. They're not necessary. They actually undermine a kid's learning and our relationship with them. And we're here to demystify powers beyond control. Okay, so if we're not using the conventional parenting discipline toolbox, what are we using? What are we doing? And that's our resist approach, which you can download on our website. And that's what we go into at great length in these Q&As, mm-hmm. um, in our coaching work, uh, in our guides, which are available in our shop. We're we have a sale on our big feelings mm. guide this week. Here it is printed out um, backwards. And this is all about demystifying, debunking, challenging our beliefs and saying, okay, what can we do instead? So that's what we would love to talk about in the Q&A today is mm-hmm. tell us what's going on with your kids' big feelings or challenging behaviors, mm-hmm. whining, anger, frustration, mm-hmm. disappointment, tantrums, tantrums, total meltdowns. Mm-hmm. What's happening? Mean words. And, and nasty if you're words. Right. If you're struggling to support that, if you're struggling to survive that, right? If you're struggling to show up in a way that makes you feel um, like you're aligned as a person and a parent, right? Using respect, right? Empathy, communication, innovation, boundaries, and trust. All of those things that that were that we value uh, in other institutions in, um, in our adult life. We want to show up that way with our kids if we can, because kids learn by the way we teach. So if we're teaching them all, with all these best intentions in these discipline moments with control, 
in the control toolbox, mm -hmm. then that's what they're learning yeah, ultimately. That, in, in that case, we're teaching them consequences yeah. on my terms now, threats, rewards, overpower lectures, shame, spanking, timeouts, all, all that, that stuff. stuff, which is so natural. Right. No shame, lots of grace for the way that all of us pretty much were raised, yeah. the cultural conditioning that we've all um, experienced. Yeah, experienced. Thank you. Yeah. We're going to start with do a DM while you're checking in. Last, uh, earlier in the week, we also had people share their wins. So we focus a lot on the hard stuff and mm -hmm. it's really nice too. So many of you are on this journey with us and you're noticing and DMing us these really great moments where you're realizing, oh my gosh, supporting mm -hmm. my kids' feelings is paying off. They're working on calming themselves. They're supporting one another. They're reminding me to take a deep breath sometimes. Right. Like, oh, shit, and not working. in a patronizing way that I used to do it, in the supporting <laughs> way that I've been doing, practicing it, right? Love it. Um, so feel free to, to um, type in your wins as well. We love hearing them. Or if you mm -hmm. don't have time and you've got your hands busy, send us a DM sometime um, so we can hear that and celebrate you. Because it's, this is a lot of work. We say this is a practice, the mm -hmm. daily practice going on, yeah. right? It's, it's hard work growing up <coughs> alongside our kids mm -hmm. in this way. They challenge yeah. us to, to up our game a lot. Yeah. Well, we've already um, got some questions coming in here, so yeah. we might need to Let's just dive right into the folks I'm sure it will here. come up. Okay. I like referencing DMs. Great. Too. So someone says, okay, my spirited four-year-old hates circling back and doesn't like <clears> to talk <throat> out about big feelings in the moment. She usually starts to spit when I try to talk about anything. Mm -hmm. Help. Yeah. Oh, that is so natural <clears throat> and normal for a spirited kid um, who obviously spirited kids are a little more persistent, a little more resistant, a little more emotional, but they're also more sensitive. Yeah. And the circle back can be intense. We all grew up with a circle back that was super intense, usually felt more like a grill back often. Um, and I think even when we're trying to make that circle back a love warming, warmy place where we're like, hey, so earlier you were feeling this or this thing happened, I noticed this, that can still feel like a lot of pressure to a sensitive kid. Well, it can trigger their memory and mm -hmm. their experience in the moment. They yeah. go immediately back to it. They feel it in their bodies. Mm -hmm. And that spitting that your five-year-old is doing when you're trying to circle back with her is she's saying, I'm not comfortable with the way that you're circling back with me. And it's just like, it's really hard because you're doing the best you can in those moments. But, but it's information. Sensitive and spirited kids ask us to really pull on our innovation skills and consider the nuance that they need in moving forward and growing alongside us, right? Mm -hmm. So what are some things that have helped you, Kelsey? Just two to three things quick yeah. that have helped you with circling back in a less direct and mm -hmm. intensive um, kind of... Um, yeah, I think sometimes I'll, yeah. I'll circle back basically to my partner about my child and I'll say, oh, you know, she and I had a little trouble getting out the door earlier. It seemed like she was <clears throat> she was really struggling and and I wasn't quite sure why. Hey, you know, f fill us in if you have any ideas anyway. And I'm not putting any pressure. I'm barely even glancing at And you're her. not talking about I'm her. I'm not talking about her like <laughs> she just yeah. like blew it earlier or whatever. Yeah. But I'm really just I'm processing openly to my partner, sort of like my daughter and I are having a conversation with him, even though she's not like participating in it to it's take indirect. The, the pressure off her. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll bring it up in the car or in the dark <clears throat> um, at night. So it's less direct, a little less intense. Sometimes I'll circle back through a storytelling instead. Mm -hmm. You know what I was thinking about earlier today. That's literally all I mentioned about earlier today. And cause she just goes straight to earlier today in her brain. Right. Yeah. I was thinking about earlier today. And did I ever tell you the story about when Nani and I, you know, uh, slipped and fell in the pool and then I, um, tipped a whole picnic table over. 
It was really funny, even, actually. Maybe not even mentioning earlier today and just say, can I tell you the story? Yeah. And I think that we have to keep remembering that kids learn implicitly. They do not need explicit instruction or rem reminders or those things to be able to process something with us. So I think mm -hmm. the last thing that I would suggest for this five-year-old who is sensitive to being circled back to process an event with their parent is I would use um, symbolic play. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing that I would suggest in saying, how can I find a way to play with my daughter and process what happened? Mm -hmm. So let's say... It, she flipped a board game and like literally went berserk because she was losing. And sensitive and spirited kids oftentimes feel a lot of uh, perceived injustice. They are really about right and wrong and fair, or they have frustration intolerance and they struggle to, um, to lose or to not do as well as they had hoped mm -hmm. or meet their expectations. Yeah. So something like that They're could have happened. Competitive. And so I would say I would find some dolls or things that she likes to play with mm -hmm. or draw and you can symbolic play with drawings. And I would create a play environment where she, we could replay that and create mm -hmm. and explore in it and then let her engage in that way. Mm -hmm. Let's have these little kids play a board game together. Here's a little scrap of paper. Oh my gosh. And then maybe I would say like, I'm the one that, that explodes the board game and mm -hmm. we just see where it goes and there's no right or wrong. There's no direct lesson. We let her explore through play, mm -hmm. which is a lot more indirect, a lot more nuanced yeah. and it's on her terms. It's not us talking to her when she's not ready. She mm -hmm. doesn't feel like it. We're bringing up this idea yeah. in play and she can maybe be like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Okay. Mm -hmm. No big Some, deal. Sometimes um, it's really handy for me. I'm not sure sure if your child has a younger sibling as well, but I can use that child to model for my kid as a, in a storytelling way. Like I can tell my daughter, like, have you noticed that your brother has been really struggling with, and I, I choose something that he's struggling with that's very similar to the way she struggled. What do you think he was going through? What was going on with him? Do you think maybe he was frustrated about this thing? Or sometimes it's just so hard when you don't know X, Y, Z, or when you want it this way and you can't get it that way. And so I kind of use a sibling as, um, as, a, as, a, context, as a context to explore the feelings that she'd had, but she doesn't feel that comfortable in the moment, not forever. And where she's like an ally and we're talking about this younger sibling. It helps pull her out of the personalness of it mm -hmm. and feel yeah. a little less uh, triggered and defensive. I hope those ideas help a little bit. Let us know mm -hmm. down below. Do anyone else here, have you have you struggled with doing that circle back with your with your child where you Talking, know yeah. that you don't have to teach in the moment you can't process everything in the moment especially when brains are reactive and not receptive so we wait until later when they're they're comfy and they're cozy right but we really make sure that we're bringing them in to process this experience in a positive way we want our kids to experience a conflict and not have an adverse reaction mm -hmm. to thinking about it, looking at it, talking about it, yeah. processing it, you repairing know, maybe, it. Maybe right? you're like we are, we're sensitive empath types. We get a phone call message that says, call me back, we need to talk. And we're like, oh, oh, shit. oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> what what did happened? I do? Oh my gosh. Oh, no. Or we think about like middle of the night, we're like randomly mm -hmm. think about this like shitty thing we did like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And we're just like still like gutted by it, mm -hmm. right? That's sensitive kid stuff. I didn't stuff. do any shitty things. Like, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm much. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> oh, okay. Someone says, uh, my 17 month old who isn't speaking yet, he knows exactly what he wants, but can't verbalize it. And he gets so frustrated. How can mm -hmm. I help him feel hurt? <clears throat> even though I don't really know exactly what he wants. Mm -hmm. That's such a hard, uh, hard period of time when our kids are pre-verbal, whether that's an eight month old or a year old kid, <clears throat> or sometimes up to a two year old kid. Um, who's still finding those words and working on articulating them. And I think that, that our number one job in, in that time is to just be their bearing witness, to try to be patient, to try to be 
offering suggestions casually because sometimes it's like, no, not that, no, not that. And I think often it's not about getting to the bottom of everything in the moment. Often it's really just about sitting and like I said, bearing witness, being there and saying, you're, you're feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You didn't like that. Something about that. Right. I hear you. I mean, I think that supporting a 17 month old when they are struggling through something, mm-hmm. it's not that they necessarily, it's because they can't express it and because you're failing them mm-hmm. in the moment. It's also just because they're having feelings about something. And it could yeah. even be pent up feelings from something earlier. And then this thing is like mm-hmm. the straw that broke the camel's back type situation. Mm-hmm. But we have to keep remembering that this is the same situation with a 17 month old as it would be with a 17 year old who is trying to do their homework and it's math and it's way above our heads. We have no idea what to do. And so Mm -hmm. again, our job, our primary job isn't to fix the math problem, isn't to tell them what to do instead because we don't know. Mm -hmm. It's just to say, I'm here. I'm a securing, comfortable presence. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm here. I'm going to help de-escalate and however, what do you need from me? I'm here. I think that's the number one thing that we can be doing is de-escalating in the moment. And then Mm -hmm. the number two thing we can be doing is continuing to use a lot of words with our kid, ask lots of questions, give lots of choices, um, <clears throat> describe what we what we can see their experiences when they're not dysregulated. Encourage, like, yeah, encourage our partner to when they say "baba" to not say "baba" back to them, and the, to, the worst. to to take the word that they're saying "ball" and say "you want to throw the ball in the hoop." be building all of that context. I'm sure you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it's not like he should have more words by now. There's there's no but should. just to continue, you know, encouraging and yeah. growing and supporting <clears throat> and scaffolding that yeah. um, that those words grow yeah, in. and keep tuning into it. those those nonverbal uh, mm-hmm. communications and clues that, that they're giving you. A little you. bit of sign language is really sure. nice sometimes. And then when, when you can't connect and you just don't know, that's okay. You mm-hmm. can just say, oh, I wish I knew what you meant. I'm having trouble I'm, supporting I'm you. I'm so sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. I don't understand, but I'm here. I know we're going to figure this out. We're yeah. going to get to the other side. And that feeling of frustration, that feeling of <clears throat> not being heard <clears throat> can be, we can create security and comfort around it and show them they can get to the other side, right? Mm-hmm. Whether or not we get down to the root cause of what it was. Yeah, I love that. But that's such a it's a hopeless <clears throat> feeling. I totally yeah, get that. Our, but our, and our, our kids are going to be frustrated the rest of their lives with various things when they feel helpless, when they feel like they can't get through about mm-hmm. something, when they can't feel like they can't work through something. And we want to be conditioning them to have the immediate uh, response of, it's okay. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. We're going to figure this out. Right. Yeah. Especially in those those moments that get more challenging as they get older. But when they're 17 months still, you're like, they're frustrated. They're wigging out. It's still so sweet. I just want to help them. And when that happens with a four-year-old or an eight-year-old or a 12-year-old, when it comes it's out more like this next one, like sass, like mean words, yeah. like I hate you, mom, or like flipping a board game on purpose. You're not helpful at all. You're ruining my project. Yeah. When it comes out like that, it's so hard to weather. And I feel like these are the moments in those younger years and mm-hmm. months to be practicing. This isn't about me. This is not my job to fix. My only job is to de-escalate and give them that safe landing space for their feelings, yeah, just whatever they are. Be of support to them. You are there for them. What can yeah. you do? Right? They'll tell you. They'll show you. Someone else says, what about <clears throat> a sassy five-year-old with lots of comebacks? Mm. They sound super smart. Love a sassy we five-year-old. We love sassy kids. We are reclaiming the word sassy. Sassy. I wore my brat, brat shirt today from Rachel Antonoff. Yeah. All of those words are basically saying, <clears throat> I have power. Bratty, rude, sassy is saying, I want you to see my personal power, mom. I might be smaller than you. 
I might have less power over other people, but I have personal power. So when you mm -hmm. tell me to do something and I don't like the sound of it, or I don't feel like it yet, or maybe mm -hmm. your, your tone was a little off, or I've got some baggage from earlier in the day, mm -hmm. I might give you a little sass back, mm -hmm. right? I'm telling you I feel disconnected from you right now. Mm -hmm. or I feel uncomfortable in general right now. Yeah. That's what sass is. It's communication. It's, it's communication that doesn't feel good. It's triggering to yeah. us. But everything our kids do is communication. It's and saying it's, they have a need, yeah, and right? information to us. Okay, yeah. there's a need. Like this last 17-month-old parent, not sure what it is, might come out like a kid with no words, might come out with like sass for a five-year-old. It's a huge spectrum of emotions and expressions of that need. And it's so counterintuitive to think, okay, so we get some sass from our kid. We get a kid throwing something at us. We get a kid hurting their sibling. And our job, let me get this straight, is to just lean in and support and ask them how they're doing. What? What? That sounds so that sounds permissive. wild. <clears throat> Why would I ask them how they're doing when they're acting like this? They're sassing me. They're disrespecting me. They're being rude. They're being but ungrateful. All, all of these, these things. But we have to remember that all of these negative perceptions we have <clears throat> about our kids' particular communication is not real. Mm -hmm. It's just our conditioning from society. From and patriarchy. We, from white patriarchy. We have to keep remembering that we can't be distracted by our own conditioning. And we have to remember communications, communication from our kids. Mm -hmm. And that our primary focus is not to socialize them and worry, oh my God, they're going to be total assholes when they're mm -hmm. older. They're going to be selfish. They're going to be entitled. They're going to be bratty and mm -hmm. sassy and rude to people, mm -hmm. they will not be those things to other people if instead we prioritize and focus on nurturing their self-awareness. Instead of talking and reacting to the words and the way they're using them, let's react instead to the need that is driving the words. So we yeah. get down to that deeper need, that root cause, because with that self-awareness, they don't respond. They won't respond sassy yeah, I want to ask, like, when are you the most sassy? I always think about this myself. When am I the most sassy, right? To you, to Justin. Yeah. When I'm stressed. At the end of a day, it's when I start going like this. What's this? Why is this on the counter? I thought you picked this up. Is this just sitting there still? Where'd this come from? Hmm? That's when I get the most sassy. You're like, yeah, if you ever wanted to pick things up, that's when I start getting sarcastic. Mm -hmm. I get a little snippy, right? It's, it's your stress language. It's my stress language. And, and I really, inside, I'm like, please see past. He's helping. I'm so. I hope this hurts you a little bit, and I also hope that you can just be like, "Kel, how's it going? How was your day? Can I give you a little back rub? Can I pour you a glass so of good. wine? How you doing? Keep going, okay. Um, <laughs> how you doing? Right? And it's so hard to look at our kids. Yeah. Set aside that fear. Set aside those triggers, yeah. and look beyond and the ego. It. The ego, right. and really think: a sassing five-year-old, eight-year-old, twelve-year-old, eighteen-year-old is the same thing as a crying baby. It would be like. The situation saying, well, when my baby cries like, oh, mama, right, then I give them milk and I take care of them. But if my baby is like red faced and sputtering because they're so angry, that I actually don't like Ooh, that one. Mad. That one I'm not going to pay attention to and honor and figure out what's going on. I don't care if it's a dirty diaper. I don't care if they're hungry. Nope, sorry, I don't like that type of crying from a that baby. That just didn't feel good to me. It seemed right? kind of rude. So. Right, but then all of, we don't do that. None of us does that. But all of a sudden, once our kids start using real words, mm -hmm. right, then all of a sudden we think they skyrocketed to some level of responsibility that we hold yeah. adults accountable to, barely, right? 
I know a lot of sassy adults too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love talking about sass. Our freedom, free to speak episode on the podcast is a great one. And we talk about it a lot as well in our big feelings guide, seeing uh, sass as a big feeling. And how do we lean in and support that when it makes us feel uncomfortable and stressed and worried Mm -hmm. or it wears us down, right? The big feelings guide is 20% off just this week. This is it printed out. It's lovely. Um, Mind blown over the sassy. How do you handle it? But when our kids are sassy, I mean, I just think it's so beautiful and amazing because they're saying, I'm not feeling great and I'm going to create some sort of elevated conversation around this. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if our kids had all the self-awareness built in that they don't? Oh my gosh, if a five-year-old in the prefrontal cortex, they could just be like, mom, so I just want to, do you have a second? Really quick. Just let me know when you're ready. I'll be waiting right here. Okay. Okay. Anyway had this really stressful day and you know dad said this thing that kind of rubbed me the wrong way and we didn't have the type of crackers I like and I stubbed my toe when we were outside and I'm worried about going to Nana's tomorrow because I haven't been there for a while and I just I'm feeling really uncomfortable inside and I just wanted to let you know there you go no five-year-old will ever say that no eight-year-old can ever say that until we start verbalizing those things for them. We translate okay. the sass. Um, so I'm being kind of witchy, you're saying. Okay, what's going on? How's your day been? Mm-hmm. What's happening? How are you feeling about tomorrow? I'm not right? going to pay attention to this sass on mm-hmm. top. All the friction, all the energy. What I'm going to get to is the root cause that you need me to support. Mm-hmm. That I want to show you is honorable and, and real. I want yeah. you to access your needs as an adult and believe that they matter. Yeah. And right? when people ask us, how do you deal with the sass then? We really just, it's like chucking this huge load off our shoulders to fix it, to um, think up some consequence that merits, um, mer- it merits, um, to be doing all of that <clears throat> shit that we've been conditioned to believe, to judge it, to shame it. Right. I believe that my kid's sass is a great starting point for a conversation, mm-hmm. right? In the moment, if they can manage it, How's it going? What's up? Okay. You, so you say I'm like the worst mom ever. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you, you must be struggling. Like, what's up? Those are some big feelings, mm-hmm. right? Or, hey, I noticed like you kind of flippantly, whatever. Are you mm-hmm. not wanting to empty the dishwasher tonight? Like, what's up with you, right? Everything our kids do is a bid for connection, right? And the sense of security. And we got it. We can't be tricked by the fancy, sassy words. Mm-hmm. We got to get in there. Blair, uh, give us an example of, of that real quick. Someone said, so hard to look past the sass or spit, especially in front of other parents at a play date. But it works. Just had a circle mm. back with my three-year-old after a stressful play date, and we got to the root. Awesome. Oh, and just, it's so hard to just not give a shit what those other parents think or to say basically say the same thing we would say to our Good. kids. Sounds like she's struggling a little. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you think I look permissive because I'm not putting her in And again, out. you translate for the kid, and then you can also translate mm-hmm. for the parent. It sounds like they're struggling a little mm-hmm. bit. I'm going to check in with them right now and see how I can support them. Yeah. Sounds like they're still struggling. So we're going to process this later when they're able to think a little bit better at home. They're feeling overwhelmed by all yeah. of this. Someone said, wow, thank you. Sassy equals power. Yes. We don't want to extinguish the flame, that beautiful, what we call inner wisdom and inner authority flame that our kids have within them built in, right? Mm-hmm. We don't always want to be shutting that down, being like, I don't like the sound of that. So nicks blow that flame out, right? We want to keep nurture and protect that flame, keep setting loving limits and boundaries, but let their inner wisdom and authority continue to thrive yeah. and burn. And that, right? and that reminder that all feelings are welcome. Yeah. All words are welcome. Right. It's really hard. It sounds totally ludicrous. 
our kids can say anything they want to us. And instead of saying, that made me feel like this, focusing on an impact, right, or focusing on the behavior, we don't talk that way in our family. We focus earlier on the need. How you doing? What were you doing? Right? Then we might explore the behavior a little. We might explore the impact. Seems like she didn't really like it when you said that. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to play anymore. Did you notice that too? We're being the neutral support staff. It's like, this isn't me. I'm just here sports casting, Mm -hmm. right? I'm just, I'm I'm cool. We're cool. We're cutting to the root cause to Mm -hmm. do the work there foundationally with our kids in these moments. Because if we get tricked by their sassy words and big feelings and focus on those, if we shut those down and punish a sassy word, what we're actually punishing is the feeling that drove the sassy word. And then from there, we're actually punishing the need. Shutting it down. The the need that drove the feeling that drove the sassy word. So when we punish a sassy word, we are are punishing our child's need. And we're teaching them that their needs don't matter, that their needs are not okay. Mm -hmm. And every person's needs matter. And if we focus on the needs and create awareness around the needs, then they will be able to vocalize their needs because they'll have awareness around them and they will not resort to sassiness on a daily basis. We promise. We promise, promise, promise. I hope there's some sass in there still. Well, on a daily I'm, basis. Okay, I'm hoping a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's uh, more like humorous sass instead of like cutthroat sass. Yes. Like I'm a cut you sass. <laughs> Someone says, my little boy is six, but seems like his emotional intelligence is more like the age of four. Is this normal? I don't think that that you can judge anyone's emotional intelligence by age. I know a lot of adults with very low emotional intelligence. It's all a spectrum and it's all practice. We're all practicing. They shouldn't just have certain emotional intelligence by a certain age. Mm -hmm. Our kids have an emotional intelligence based on their nervous system and how Mm -hmm. they get their needs met, based on their attachment to us, and based on the work we're doing in, in emotion coaching and working through all of the practice of emotion processing with them. That's why our big feelings guide is so important because Mm -hmm. we can't just expect our kids to manage their emotions and be emotionally intelligent without doing the work with them. We are that proxy. We are that inner voice helping them gain awareness of and comfort in and skills around communicating, managing their emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Someone said, following up with my question I submitted, he would thrive on -on one-on-one time where he chooses exactly what is being done by him and the other person. But I have four other kids... Um, to, to give, give a kindergarten, mm-hmm. uh, or take to kindergarten. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Erica, yeah. 13. Let us know if there's more. And, um, were you saying submitted like you DM'd it? Could that be the one that we started reading and then didn't really finish? No. Okay. Mm-mm. We'll get back to you. Um, Maggie says, my spirited five-year-old gets so frustrated and angry at her twin three-year-old brothers when they make mistakes of any kind, when they don't say the correct answer. I nod and say, you really didn't like that. Uh, he got that wrong. Mm-hmm. How to help the little bros not feel like shit. I'm assuming she's so hard on herself mm-hmm. and therefore hard, hard on them. Right. So uh, in those moments, um, it, it's, it's, you're trying to translate and that's so fantastic. And mm-hmm. I would maybe change up my phrasing a tiny bit to say something like, Instead of you're angry that he got it wrong, I would say you wish he had chosen something different mm-hmm. or you wish he had done whatever because that's at the heart of things. It's it's not I'm mad that he got something wrong. That's on him and that that's mm-hmm. why you're concerned about how these it comes twin off as three-year-olds a are going to interpret it. it. Yeah. Right, and that, that is a level of her awareness that you're building. But I think deeper is the need. We have to keep translating the need of our kids and saying, mm-hmm. what happened here when, when my five-year-old was so angry at my three-year-old's 
for messing up the board mm -hmm. game. And, I, I, you know, I would say, what was she needing? She was wanting them to choose something different. Mm -hmm. You wish they had done what you wanted them to. Yeah, or you wish they were done frustrated by the way they did the game. You're frustrated about the choice they made. Yeah, or I'd oh. ask a question. Where do you think they were coming from when they did that? Mm -hmm. And just being neutral, being like, oh, I, I, I would assume they're, they're doing their best, but sometimes everyone makes different choices. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so interesting what everybody's learning, how it mm -hmm. ends up playing out, mm -hmm. you know. And then an, another time, I would say, "Oh my gosh, the boys—they were mm -hmm. telling me how much they love playing with you." Mm -hmm. And I would not like force a, a relationship thing, but I would say something, just build some context, yeah. like, "Oh my gosh, did you see that move they something, made?" Something that that I've done that a lot with so my cute. daughter is so cute. Yeah, uh -huh. um, my daughter's six and my son's four, and it's been so helpful because she has such a short fuse in the same way as your daughter Maggie. Um, and is so quick to be like, no, that's not the rules. I'm such an upholder. I'm kind such of a that stickler. rigid binary. Yeah, and and it's helped me to later be like, or even just begin to look across the table and a little wink, like, he just didn't know. He he played backwards on the thing. Yeah. Like he doesn't hear us saying this. Or later I could be like, did you see him? He was trying so hard, and he thought it was this way, but it was actually this way. And she's like, that's so funny. You're right. But and our so when, attitude is what is, attitude is, is, is supporting them in those moments yeah. and, and programming it their brains. It could even be a little right? like when you're there, a little whisper to her. Oh my gosh, did you see that? They're trying so hard, right? Right. Yeah. And you guys are on a team about how adorable <clears throat> and inept the younger kids are. Mm -hmm. Or instead of talking about to her and, and vocalizing mm -hmm. her stuff, you could support your sons and say, it looks like she wanted you to choose something else and she's struggling mm -hmm. about that. Okay. You're, you're still learning how to do the game and she wishes you knew what she knows about it. Mm. Okay. What can we do? Yeah. How can we do you support think she you? She has a little more practice than you. Yeah. Interesting. She's been practicing and she really wants you to play it a certain way. Okay. Yeah. So you can do both and, and support both of them at the same time. Then and, and later yeah. outside. Yeah. Hope that helps sure. Maggie. Someone said, please, could you share some tips for the oppositional defiant kids? Thanks. Yeah. We like to call them sensitive, sensitive and spirited. Uh, sensitive and spirited kids. You can download, everybody, a sensitive and spirited kids mini guide uh, on our link in bio of uh, um, our Instagram here uh, at upbringing.co. Or in our shop. Or in our shop. That's right, Kel. Yeah. And that can help build some awareness with some mantras of what these spirited and sensitive kids uh, require, what they're experiencing, right? Helping us understand the playing field, mm -hmm. busting some beliefs that are limiting that we have, yeah. and then supporting with some inspiring phrasing that can help yeah. us show up for them in those moments that, that really respects and honors and works with, not against, their sensitive nervous systems and their beautifully spirited temperaments that are so I think hard. That's the, that's the number right. one belief that we have to bust is that they are not defiant on purpose. They are not oppositional on purpose. Yeah. That everything our kids do is for a reason and everything they do is beautiful, normal, and necessary. Yeah. And it's on us to change our behavior, to work with them side by side, meeting them where they are as often as we can to build those skills, to keep that connection strong, right? Some ki kids just have a fiercer flame. Those are amazing kids, right? We don't want to pathologize those kids. We don't want to say there's something wrong with them, right? They are fierce, amazing beings who have a, s a healthy sense of entitlement, a connection to their inner wisdom and authority that says, no, no, excuse me. I don't want to do it that way, mm -hmm. right? Our kids were born that way. And it was our calling. It was a screaming to say, okay, I'm sensing some resistance in a way that a lot of my friends' kids are not giving. They just kind of 
go about their biz, kind of do what I was asked of them, kind of conform, kind of do all this stuff. And our kids were like, excuse me, no, don't want to do that. Don't want to do it that way. I need more connection, agency, choice, information, information, all of these things that we body regulation, all these things that we hope that they will be advocating for themselves as adults. We don't want them to lose right now, right? right. We have a great um, story on our Instagram about someone sent in uh, how much she loved us talking about sensitive and spirited kids like magical unicorns. Right. Last episode. Right, this last episode. And how she has a lot of experience working with horses and how that is absolutely proven with horses. They sense our, our, our stress. They, they have particular needs, right? And that working with those needs and not against those needs is what builds the skills what keeps us close and what raises a horse or a child that is going to go out in the world and feel successful and joyous and responsible and and all the things. Mm -hmm. Um, Thanks for being here and and considering that. I think it's uh, the medical profession in general and including just conventional parenting wisdom in, in general says that they pathologize sensitive and spirited kids. They say the way their bodies are, the way they respond to the Mm -hmm. world is wrong. It's, it's disordered, right? That has that, that, that kind of belief and framework around it. But there's so many folks out there and so much research coming out. I just finished Beyond Behaviors by Mona Delahook. It's such an incredible book. And she's a a child development specialist. She's a a psychologist. And we keep talking, she keeps talking about how actually all of these wild behaviors and interesting intricacies that sensitive and spirited kids give us and show us on the daily are beautiful adaptations that their body is doing Mm -hmm. to create balance and a sense of security in a world that doesn't quite work with the way their nervous systems are. And instead of uh, defining our kids and pathologizing them as oppositional defiant or disordered or mean or bad or stubborn or rude or any of those or any or challenging, right? We're saying all of those skills that they bring and the way they're functioning and trying to survive in this world is beautiful. And we need to find ways to support that, not correct that. And that's why we always say mm-hmm. connection over control, powers beyond control. That is what kids who are oppositional in moments are all the time, defiant in moments are all mm-hmm. the time. They're asking us for relational security. They're yeah. asking us for more connection and mm-hmm. a sense of safety so that they can build skills and pay attention and listen and do all of those things. That's why we like to talk about our resist approach. We like to talk about when our kids resist us, they're having an oppositional moment. They're saying, no, I don't want to do this. Or they're la la la, pretending they don't hear us. Or they're sassing or spitting in um, reaction to something that we need done or something move through the day or get them clean or fed or whatever the thing is that we want to be leaning in to that resistance as though it's a roadmap. So when that resistance happens, our instinct says, shut that down. Pain in the butt, unnecessary, ugh, no. Or worrisome. And and what we're trying to to rewrite within our our hearts and, and heads based on all of this research that's come out is to say, look at that resistance as information, as a beautiful thing that's gonna help connect us to our kids' needs and connect them to those needs. And if we can use our resist approach as a loose six-step model and conversation, respect, empathize, sync up, innovate, summarize, and trust. It's just a loose six-step model to basically interact in a conversation where we can say, here are your needs. That's what I'm hearing. Okay. And here are my needs. What can we do? Right? It's basically teaching our children mature, nonviolent communication strategies that are going to see them through that are gonna help them blossom, especially with those spirited temperaments Mm -hmm. that are such an asset 
when supported well, mm-hmm. when the skills are built around yeah. it. I love that, Kel. Someone said, <clears throat> we use a lot of the saying, I know it's so hard, isn't it, with our four-year-old, and it really seems to penetrate his anger when we're on his level. So awesome to really connect with him in that moment. Oh, That's beautiful. Thank you for win. sharing that. Yeah. A little validation goes a long way for kids. It goes a long way for me. Yeah, to be honest. <laughs> um, someone says, all of that really resonates. I'm um, quarantine potting with my twin who is great but has a very different parenting vibe. She keeps giving feedback to me that I'm being permissive by validating feelings. Sure. Sure. Oh, it must be hard to see you parenting in a mm-hmm. way that um, is individuated from her, that maybe challenges what she's doing. She right? says, but without fail, the validating <clears throat> helps in the long run. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, God, you got to have uh, empathy uh, for, for them in that way as best you can. And I think continuing to whatever's comfortable for you, you can say, yeah, you think that it's, it's a conventional belief. It's so easy to believe that. That's our instinct, isn't it? Yeah, I'm happy to send you some research if you want mm-hmm. about validating emotions and emotion processing mm-hmm. and can send you some podcasts. I've got, I've just been loving what I've been learning mm-hmm. lately. It's research driven, right? It's mm-hmm. evidence based. It's feeling really good for our it's family feeling, right now. It is feeling good. I know, you know, I feel really good about it. But I'm, yeah. you do you, right? So um, Erica had said, check my my question, but oh. I'm still only seeing, seeing part of it. It said, preschool teacher here, my six year old kindergartner is amazing and creative and full of so much love, but it's, it's like so small, is showing super compulsive behavior. If you could type it in um, in the caption, the rest of it, really having trouble oh, reading it. Sorry, so much. I'm gonna try to scroll back up to see what what she'd said. Okay, super compulsive behavior. Hmm. Where is it? Got a lot of a lot of reach outs here, everyone. Thank you so much for these shares. Yeah, chime in with your questions. Chime in with your wins, how it's been going, validating your kids' feelings, what you're mm-hmm. noticing, what they're showing you as they're building the skills, uh, as you're modeling them. We would love to hear that. Someone says, what are some quick mantras or things you can do to self-regulate before you react angrily to your child's hurtful <clears throat> words, quote unquote? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I think the number one uh, thing we can do is work on the belief that the words uh, are okay. So a lot of our mantras are, they have the right to say anything they want. Words are a symptom of a deeper need. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of Instagram side by side. This is not an emergency. <clears throat> I want them to be able to communicate how they feel. And then we take deep breaths. We do a lot of other stuff. I'm safe and I'm doing an amazing job. Yeah. Right. We're all doing the best we can in this moment. Mm-hmm. Think about the worst thing you think and then flip that basically. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of like, she's just trying to hurt my feelings. I would flip I, it to she's trying to get her needs met. Right. Or she's just trying to hurt my feelings. I'd flip it to she knows I'm a safe place to express herself yeah. or this has nothing to do with me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Write those thoughts down, write those beliefs down that come to your mind automatically and mm -hmm. then flip them and start working on them. That has helped us and folks we work with so much. Um, It's all our, our perception. And I love that you're thinking, what do I need to be thinking? What's the mindset I need Mm -hmm. to go into this situation to show up better for my kid when they're struggling? And sometimes when those sassy words are coming out and we're not, the mantras are not flowing, we're struggling. We would just say, I'll be right back. I love you. We muster everything we can before we get so frustrated. We're going to flip our lid or react, like you said, and just be like, be right back. Yeah. Or I would just nod and be like, okay, okay. So I'll say something Mm -hmm. like that. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or I hear you. Mm -hmm. I hear you. And I can't say anything else because it will be a retort. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So it'd I'm be just some like, reverse sass. Right. <laughs> so I just go, okay, okay. And I know to, in order to support and de-escalate my child, who's dependent on me for that as co-regulator, right? As they're mm-hmm. building that nervous system and prefrontal cortex, I got to do my stuff I feel first. like that's when I get a lot of texts from you being like, guess what's happening yeah and I think that you just kind of stress text get it out a little bit yeah. in a safe place yeah Definitely. and not dump it on your kid which right. is our goal right you know that'd be good someone said thank you I just had a moment today with my nine-year-old sibling where she didn't want to practice math and I don't think I was um, regulating my feelings and just got really frustrated when trying to help mm-hmm sure that's so had I needed to learn this thank you yeah mm-hmm. you bet Someone said, any tips on those moments when we practice this over and over and then we break and are not as patient and feel badly? We couldn't continue it in the moment. Tried so hard. Ugh, having a hard day myself. Yeah, hang I'm, in there. I'm so sorry you're having a hard day. Ugh. <clears throat> we like to talk about this as a practice. Um, Progress over perfection. Right. And it's so easy for us to think about with, with this growing awareness. Like all of a sudden, we're thinking about our tone, our approach, our words. Our impact. Our impact on our kids. This is a lot and it's heavy. Um, And I think that like I I was thinking earlier, we were talking about it, that with this kind of elevated consciousness, we also have elevated conscience Mm -hmm. in in a way that it was easier to just be like, they're fine. Ugh, I did what I could and they just couldn't whatever when we were maybe controlling a lot more. Now we're, we're more, we're a little more woke. And so we get a lot more feedback mentally and emotionally. And that's hard. And what we always try to say is this is not three steps up a staircase and one step back when we yell or four steps up and then we um, send the kid to their room or shame them and then we go five steps back. Oh, this is a never ending staircase. We're back to start. Right. We like to think of this not as a staircase, but as like a river. It's always flowing. We're always moving forward. The practice, the progress is and uh, someone mentioned earlier, yeah. I don't think of it as linear. It doesn't have to be linear. It can be a winding mm-hmm. river, but it's flowing, mm-hmm. right? Going up, going down, There's going no dams. Left, going right. It's not a goddamn. Going some eddies, <laughs> no some eddies, right? Oh. Got the water metaphors Hit, hit one going. bank, hit another bank, <clears throat> but keep it's, moving. It's all okay. And that's why we have the circle back in our trust step of our resist approach that you can download on our website. Mm-hmm. And we really talk about it in our big feelings guide too. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's okay. We're human. We're doing our best. This is a practice. We always have tomorrow in parenting, always, or five minutes from now, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be okay. And we can we can level up with our kid, even a baby or a toddler, and you're say, talking about a nine-year-old. Hey, Nine-year-olds are tricky. prime for the circle back. And if they're they're sensitive, you can write them a note and say, hey, I responded in a way that this and this. Mm-hmm. I've been working on this, and I'm going to try and do this. It's so and I just easy. wanted you to know, like, and I would love to hear from you. I love that. You know? We talk about the circle back not being a grill back. Yeah. When what we instinctively want to say is, when you did this, I had to do this thing. Or get fragile. if you could just make yeah. another choice next time, this wouldn't even happen. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I think that it takes so much vulnerability and bravery to say, I fucked up. Not because you did this thing, but because I was struggling to support you as the one responsible with more power and privilege and to show that vulnerability to our kids that we can apologize. We weren't, none of us raised to apologize to, to our kids or to someone quote unquote beneath us in the, in the food chain. And, and that's changing in so many different institutions, right? Bosses at amazing uh, businesses are starting to be like, actually, we need some feedback going up the food chain. I want to know what all you need, what's going on. How can I can keep you happier? Because I know you'll be more productive. I know we'll be more connected. I know um, we'll organically as a as an entity grow in a healthy way. 
that's how we're kind of breaking down these these paradigms of control within the institution of parenting and saying it doesn't have to be a hierarchy this can be a more egalitarian democracy where we're connected we're still in control and charge mm -hmm. but we work on our self-control not controlling other people we work on being vulnerable ourselves so that they learn to be vulnerable with us. We work on making everything we can a conversation so that they learn how to do that with other human beings when they're gone. And they right. want to come back and talk to us at like Thanksgiving and pick up the phone sometimes. That'd be nice. That'd be great. Like give us a speech at something. Yeah. That'd be cool. Give us some props. Toast us in our old age. We can have a retirement party even though we're like <laughs> entrepreneurs, right? <laughs> We'd be working forever. <laughs> Okay, Betty said, in my head, I know I should respond, but in the heat of the moment and mom burnout and trying to make dinner, I yeah. find myself reacting to my four-year-old sass, hurtful words, hitting sibling, mm -hmm. etc." We so get that. And that's mm -hmm. when we, less is more. It's like, okay, I'm going into self-reg Downshift mode. mode. Downshift. You, you talk about that a lot, Kel. I know it well. Unplug mode. Basically by like 8 a.m., I'm like so fried. And Hannah calls me and she's like, so have you read that article I texted you yet? I'm in, I, I'm like, what are you doing? She, you're, she's like, I'm in bed with my coffee and my back heater. What do you mean? I was like, my daughter the, made me some where eggs. Where are the kids? Oh, she's making me eggs in the kitchen and he's just playing in the living room. Kid, the kitten's snuggling on my lap. And I'm like, literally like everyone's naked. We've had three breakfasts. Music's on, <clears throat> someone's screaming, tub's half full, dog's peeing on the living room floor. That is my morning. Like I get that whole juggling thing. And so I've had to really, and I don't want to say perfect because it's not perfect and I'm a work in progress in all of this, the, that kind of personal de-escalation, mm -hmm. that self-regulation game to co-regulate, to be able to support our kids. This is the invisible work that we never knew we were signing on for as parents. What? I have to learn how to be more patient, more empathetic, more loving, uh, more nuanced, less ego driven. What about my needs? All of those I thought things. I was just going to have some really cute kids that love me. Can we just and go like to can, the park and I can cuddle? tote around and like share photos on Instagram. Right. There must be something wrong. This is my reality, seriously. No, this is the reality of raising yeah. other humans. Yeah, and so I think yeah. that in those moments, we have to go into self-protective mode. And not self-protective, like stop doing this and trying to put boundaries up and protect myself. That's helpless mode. That yeah. is helpless. That is powerless. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, if we can try to channel powerfulness power inner power yeah which is about putting up a little bit of a loving force field which is about kind of sh downshifting to neutral like imagine yourself comfortably just wilting kind of like you're in like this little like cozy pod and you still hear everything that's happening earplugs help but it's not penetrating the same way as it usually is you're still stopping uh, you know really wild right. or dangerous behaviors you're stopping the paint before it comes out at 16 <clears throat> but you're, you're working on stopping the food as it's thrown right. or you know damaged or whatever is happening but i think this is something that every parent needs to consider is the mm -hmm. ways they can support themselves and protect themselves in those moments and especially parents who are sensitive like we are, mm -hmm. who not just are fried at the end of the day, but if this happens at 8 a.m., they're fried because they're out-touched, they're out-talked, they're out-screamed, they're mm -hmm. out-needed, right? All those things. And it's okay to feel those ways, but we don't have to be everything and be doing everything and fixing everything in the moment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes to doing less is better. Yeah. Be, trying to be loving and do less. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Keep everyone safe. Do less. Say less. Not more. Yeah. Yeah. Someone said, thank you. Um, thank you. So true. That's so helpful and healing to hear. Someone said, that's exactly what I did. Although the guilt lingers in me so long after a fuck up moment, I told my two and a half year old, 
Hey, love, I'm sorry I got so frustrated. That's my mistake. I'm sorry that happened. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call it a mistake. There's no mistakes. There's no good choices, no bad choices. I would just say, I was struggling to support you. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Right? We don't want our kids to think that when they lose their shit, that's a mistake. Because it's not. It's It's absolutely human. And we never want to be judged or shamed or punished for being human. Ever. Right. But building that awareness, focusing on the awareness of, I was needing something. Or mm-hmm. I felt overwhelmed. I responded. I I, I, w- I want to respond a different way that's kinder. I'm going to really more try patient. to take a breath next time. I'm going to really try to yeah. connect to what you're going through. So next showing time. that intention. Yeah. And I think, and resisting that shame response, which we've all been conditioned to experience. And mm-hmm. really, we've been programmed to self shame, having mm-hmm. been shamed by authority figures in our youth. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember that that's white patriarchy that's not productive shaming ourselves is yeah. not productive that, that voice okay. in our heads that says you're yeah. not enough you're not doing enough right you didn't you didn't do it right you made a mistake that's not real that's white patriarchy that's it's a load of crap we yeah. don't we don't have to believe it we can work to eradicate that from from our own psyches and not implant it further in our children. Right. We don't need that to help us grow. We're already growing. We're yeah. doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Someone said, absolutely love hearing about your interior family lives. Thank you. Of course. It's, we love talking about our dichotomy of experience in a lot of ways. It's really like yeah. amazing because we're raising our kids the exact same way and our experiences are very different. Someone said you should do a guided meditation of wilting. Sounds cozy. <laughs> Someone else, downshifting is so hard. Someone says, yeah, great is. point. Someone else. I really says. think downshifting has to do with keying into our body, right? Mm-hmm. And our physical sensations, knowing and starting to understand those early warning signs of, of tension in the chest, of clenching in the jaw, of heaviness in the head, mm-hmm. right? And noticing I'm starting to get wound up and working our way back. Mm-hmm. All of this is an awareness exercise and we do the work for ourselves so that we can show up in that way for our kids. But it's also, um, it's like really reinforcing because yeah. as we're doing that and being like, oh, I'm keying into my body. I wasn't really paying attention to my body until I start screaming. And now I'm like, oh, I'm a step before that. Like as mm-hmm. the words are coming out, I'm like, oh, that's happening. Okay. Blah. <laughs> and then two steps before that, I'm like, I'm starting to tense up. I I'm just noticing hit the spoon that. on the counter. Right. I just slammed know. something down right. or I just started storming or I started taking some huffy, like, <gasps> Things. I got my eye roll going. We're cueing in mm-hmm. to our body and our experience before it happens. And if we can even dial it back in awareness, just little steps every time, that's amazing. And then we can be doubly working with our kids. We're feeling frustrated earlier. What happened just before that? What happened just before that? Or we can and cue in there and say, or even in the moment, yeah. I'm noticing you're tensing your fists. Yeah. How are you feeling? We're basically able to give this gift to our kids that we were not given. Our parents were loving. They were all doing their best. Our caregivers were were wonderful people, most of them. But we are getting we're getting based on this experience the ability to help our kids do something that we were not able to do, and we're able to do it at the same time. That's the juggling act of conscious parenting: is saying I'm having to grow up alongside my kids as I'm scaffolding their understanding and their growth. I'm doing it too. It's the challenge and the opportunity. But that's where the the reinforcement (laughs) comes from is seeing it work for them and seeing it work for us and realizing that we're in tandem in our growth. Mm -hmm. It's like so amazing. Mm -hmm. Realizing we're on the same team. We're the same. We're all human spirits on this journey. This isn't like parent teaching little child, um, you know, tabula rosa, everything. (laughs) This is not the case. And and taking that pressure off to just say, I'm human. I'm modeling. I'm working. We're doing it, doing yeah. the work. My four-year-old will say he like threw a ton of tissues over his bunk bed 
onto where my his older sister, seven year old, was like working, and she got angry at him. And I came in and he said, "I'm still learning. I'm still learning." I'm st-. Like that was his way of being like, "I'm still learning." Or like they were all talking about Kelty's youngest, mm-hmm. who was asleep in the car, and they said, one of them said, "Sometimes when he wakes up, he struggles a little bit." And they were talking about. I was like, about, you mean he turns into the Hulk? Is that what you mean? They were talking like, ah. and having a foursome conversation about how to support him if he woke up and was struggling. Mm-hmm. That is the language and the, the wording that we're bringing in ourselves, and our kids start taking Even that over. Even today, I struggled That's with your son because they were running around naked with their little capes on. Yeah. And yours just kind of like went like this, like right in my son's face, just right on him. And he started crying. And I, I said something like, Why did you do that? Like, it was just like. Why? Yeah. Trying not to be shamey, but I was like right on the edge there. Yeah. And your son goes, I just, my body needed to like, ah, just needed to move. And it really was, he didn't, you know, nothing, not that there's anything wrong with malintent, not that there's anything wrong with him being like, cause I wanted to beat his face in, but it was so cool hearing him say, I guess my body was needing this. And that comes from you, mm-hmm. Hannah saying, sounds like your body needs to jump. Let's not do it on the cat. Mm-hmm. Let's take it outside. Sounds like him into the, yeah. the need and the, getting some self-awareness. Like, yeah. yeah. Someone said, what do I do when my five-year-old eggs on the three-year-old? Tommy, bite daddy. Mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's... I would I would just translate yeah. and, and use some non-judgmental curiosity to dismantle that shit. And I'd be like, oh, you want him to bite daddy? How come? Would you want me to bite you right now? I would and go with humor. humor totally. And get in there because I think the flip side, if like if I'm gonna go with this hardcore, mm-hmm. that's not gonna necessarily improve yeah, the what's, situation. What's our hardcore is don't tell him to do that. Why would you want him to bite daddy? That's our impulse, is like, why? You sick mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> like Austin Powers, like we crazy criminal. We gotta, because if we go about it in this kind of perceived negative way, mm-hmm. this judgy or more controlling way, which is so natural then they're feeling these senses. They have this impulse. They're doing these things for some weird yeah. reason where they're experimenting, they're feeling uncomfortable, and they yeah. want the little brother to get in trouble instead of them. Yeah. There's so many things going I would on. I just be like, that's so interesting. You know what it reminds me of? You know, sometimes we have that one puppet and our hand is in it. You're kind of being like the puppet for mm-hmm. Tommy, and you're being like, go do that. Or the remote control car we have, you're like the remote, mm-hmm. and Tommy's like the car. Right. And you're like, go that's go so interesting. daddy. But I think that, like, it feels like, are we condoning this by leaning into the fantasy and the no. things? You could also work with daddy. For, so daddy could be like, you want to bite me? What? Bite me no. where? Like I On want, my finger? On my toes? On right? my elbow? Mm-hmm. That'd be a good place to bite. What? You know? And it's like, or are you trying to get daddy's attention? What? What's going on? Or well, like you know? B- biting. When do we bite? When we're hungry. Are you hungry? What do you right. want to bite? Let's yeah. go get some snacks. Come mm-hmm. on, everyone. But work with it rather mm-hmm. than against it if and when you can. It's hard, though. It's yeah. so triggering. Someone says, five-year-old has been loving role-playing social situations. I'm finding, though, that she just says what she knows is the socialized, quote-unquote, right answer. I'm not sure the purpose of doing it is shining through thoughts. Mm. Mm. I'm curious about what that looks like. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, role playing. What social I don't situations? know. I think I think kids role play a lot of stuff, <clears throat> and sometimes it sounds like the quote unquote right answer. Where you're like, "Gosh, that sounds uptight. I don't want them to be that kind of person." And sometimes you're like, "You want to shoot who?" Right? Like what? Uh, that is so racist. We never talk about guns. I what do you believe? You just on. said that, right? And I, yeah, there's there's a lot to be said. And there's a lot of research about supporting that kind of 
edgy, creative, uh, role-playing play with with villains and and heroes and things. Or socially super appropriate or socially inappropriate things. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to police it. Yeah, we don't have to police it. We can just be neutral. We can just be like, oh. Oh, you want to? You were trying to shoot. They're trying them, or... on the things. Interesting. They're, yeah, yeah. That that's how they're learning and experiencing and and thinking about it is through play. That's how kids learn and and not like you know solidify a belief or a practice. It's mm-hmm. how they're just engaging and rolling through it. Like we would read a book about something appropriate or mm-hmm. something inappropriate. That doesn't mean we're going to become that, right? Yeah. Someone said, "Thank you. So true. That's so helpful and healing to hear. That's exactly what I did. Although." Guilt lingers. Oh, we read that already. Mm-hmm. Hearing about your family lives. Do you all meditate? We try to meditate. We do. Hannah took the TM. the TM training and got me on board. And then we did a mindfulness-based stress reduction eight-week course that was so awesome. Um, so we've been trying to get back on the meditation train. It's very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, someone says, ah, humor. Yes, it's such a trigger for me when she does that. Sure. If we can just lean towards humor in those moments that are, were the most squirmy. That's such a, but it's such a uh, funny thing. We talk about um, neurons or that wire together, that fire together, wire together. So we have these combinations of experiences. So when someone makes a threat, we have a fear feeling and, or a threat feeling. From when we were younger. From when we right. were younger. So how can we be rewiring our brains, basically? Rick Hansen talks about this in um, Rewiring Happiness. Hardwiring. Hardwiring Happiness mm-hmm. and a couple other books he's written that are so great. But like, how can we basically make these new pairs of impressions in our brains? So kid makes a threat. How can we pair that with humor? And start, safety. And start practicing that so that when that happens, in the moment we don't think fight, flight, freeze, those, those, those natural instincts, but we say in our, in our minds instead, it's a little child and I'm going to try to engage with this in a humorous, innovative way, knowing that the deeper impulse and need is honorable that they have. And they're going about getting it met in whatever a five-year-old way they have, whatever experimental way they're going about it. Don't Mm -hmm. worry about that. Get, keep getting to the need and honoring the need. Yeah. Right, you're wiring them as well as you're rewiring yourself, mm-hmm. learning and unlearning. Mm-hmm. Someone says, "My almost four-year-old has days when he takes away anything my 17-month-old plays with. It's such a trigger for me when it doesn't stop after initially responding in a respectful way, and then I yell." Mm-hmm. Does your 17-month-old always have an issue with it? I feel like that's probably the case if if something's being snatched away from them. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Some of that is just, um, I feel like it's two things. I feel like it's sports casting, what we're seeing and hearing. I feel like it's making some boundaries uh, for the 17-month-old in, in terms of a safe play space. I feel like those are the two things that pop to my mind. What about yeah, you? Yeah, having, I mean, particular toys, too. Mm-hmm. I think we all were like, we want everyone to share everything. Mm-hmm. But, like, that actually makes things a little bit tricky, right? And so I think that you can have certain toys that are like, whoever has it is playing with it until they're ready to give it up. That's a great rule. Mm-hmm. So they're not ready to give it up yet. Oh, you're wanting it right now, right? And if you can inhibit the impulse for them to take it away, then you're helping mm-hmm. to reroute that impulse of, of, of domination, which is so normal for them to want to mm-hmm. um, experiment with power, right? Especially yeah. with someone younger who maybe is, is taking a lot of your time and, and, yeah. and involving that way. Yeah, I would notice those times of day that the four-year-old is getting kind of grabby, getting in there and stuff. Yeah. If that's more during a certain time of day than not. How can you keep that 17-month-old kind of penned over in their little area or the four-month-old mm-hmm. or four-year-old on their own little project? 
that can right. be helpful. Well, and then having certain things that are the 17-month-olds or are mm-hmm. the four-year-olds and, and protect mm-hmm. that for them and, and, and build that context with them. But I think so much about it, we talk about this in our sibling guide that's mm-hmm. available in our shop, is that we don't want to get in the middle of their relationship and we just want to be supporting and mediating mm-hmm. and helping them understand their own needs and attune to the other person's needs, right? So you had Our that. tone matters. You right? had that and then he took it from you. Did you, are you okay with that? Or did you want to play with it longer? Okay. Mm-hmm. So you wanted it longer. It sounds like he was still playing with it. Mm-hmm. Did you need that right now? Or was it something you were going to do with it? Like we're like super neutral, mm-hmm. super cool. When, when instinctually we want to storm in and be like, stop snatching from your brother. He's just a baby. Come on. <clears throat> right. right. I think we can also talk to the 17 month old and be like, Oh, did you want that? Like, it seems like he, maybe he's uncomfortable if he's taking these things for you. I mean, I think a lot of it is just mm-hmm. about sibling stuff where they're trying to understand needs and boundaries and all of these things. Mm-hmm. And if the 17 month old doesn't care that much, that's okay. Yeah, be cool. It's better than the four year old hitting him. Yeah. This is basically a four year old saying, I'm uncomfortable with you here still mm-hmm. after a year and it's hard. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm uncomfortable maybe in general today about something unrelated and I'm mm-hmm. going to take it out on you because this is a safe place. So yeah. we have to remember that we have control over the environment. We have control over uh, spaces and we can be there as best we can when we start noticing the signs and signals yeah. that a four-year-old is maybe a little uncomfortable and isn't mm-hmm. going to be kind of engaging with the 17-month-old in a productive way. Yeah. So th- that's a moment when if it's feeling chronic in that moment, mm-hmm. we can be like, hey, 17-month-old. Do you want to like, let's go outside and play for a little bit. It sounds like so-and-so struggling with kind of sharing a little bit right now. And that's totally normal. Yeah. Come with me. Or we might say, Hey, four, four-year-old, do you want to come help me chop in the kitchen? It seems like play is feeling a little bit tough right now because 17 month old is in here too. And they're up in all your stuff. Come on, let's go get some fresh air together. So that can be a moment where we can just pop in and try to separate them in a neutral way instead of play nicely together or you go to your room or you this or share. I mean, bottom line, taking toys from a younger sibling or hitting a younger sibling or doing those things is stress behavior, right? Mm -hmm. Hitting a dog, doing any of that stuff. And the four-year-old is saying, I need support. Mm -hmm. I need connection or agency or information. Mm -hmm. I need some sort of sense of, to help me feel secure. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm taking this out on a very easy target right now. Yeah. And bottom line in terms of sharing, whether it's a 17 month old and four-year-old or a two and eight-year-old or a eight and 10-year-old, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, is children learn how to share by giving things up willingly and having things taken from them or waiting their turn Mm -hmm. for them it's natural and we don't have to kind of like manufacture consequences or some sort of uh, false judgment, judgment filled context mm-hmm. about sharing. Mm-hmm. We just don't. And it's so natural for us it's to be a like, process. you need to be a sharer. You need to be a giver. And that's especially problematic with girls mm-hmm. because women and females are conditioned way more to be giving, giving, giving all the time. So I want to be extra careful about um, mm-hmm. our little girls who are saying, share, nope, she, she's looking at that. So just give it up. Just mm-hmm. give it to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. We want to say, you want that right now. She's asking for it. She seems to really want it, but you really want that. Why do you want that? And keep keying into their internal process. And do you honoring need it? that. We're going to use it for something. Why do you think they want it? We're just neutral. We're asking questions. We're building um, awareness, building that. Right. Awareness. And remembering that with that awareness, considering why is this so triggering for us? And mm-hmm. I think that again, because our response matters so much, 
in helping influence our kids' beliefs about conflict and needs mm-hmm. and give and take and all of those things, we have to keep remembering, why is this bothering me and influencing my approach? Mm-hmm. How can I be thinking about this in a different way? Is it because I was always had something taken from me? Is it because I was always taking something from someone else? Is it because I didn't have siblings and I just, I don't know what's right and wrong here and I, I, I'm i struggling? Is it because I'm trying to work and I really hope they just get along and be right. quiet somewhere? What's at play here that's causing the, the additional stress can also help a lot? Yeah. Someone says, my five-year-old can't keep her hands off the 11-month-old and he usually doesn't like it. She'll pick him up and still wants to hold him like a baby and he needs and wants to move. Yeah. Oh man, that's so a, great. Yeah, that's a great time to be sports casting that same way. Just we're the neutral, sensitive support staff. We're not the police. We're not the judge, jury, referee, hall monitor. Right. We talk about this in our sibling guide as mm-hmm. well. And I think this is such an opportunity in these early years. Mm-hmm. This is so early yeah. and young to talk about consent. Mm-hmm. Right. So first of all, to be modeling consent practices with our five-year-old and our 11-month-old. So not picking up the 11-month-old without asking first not changing their diaper or doing things to them mm-hmm. without their consent. Because oftentimes our kids can see that and be like, well, I can just pick them up anytime I want, yeah, you right? you can handle them all the time. Right, so walking the walk, right? And then also sports casting, like you said, Kelty, mediating in a way where you're like, oh, he doesn't seem like he's liking that. And because an 11 month old can't set a boundary, a personal boundary for their body, can't consent verbally in that way necessarily mm-hmm. and say no, right? You have to say, it looks like he's showing you he's not comfortable. It looks like I'm Mm going to help you. And then we do a loving follow through Mm -hmm. sooner than later. We don't wait for the five-year-old to drop the Mm 11-month-old, the 11-month-old to somehow be like, no, stop. And and have to overpower physically someone way bigger than them. We are that proxy and that kind of that consent mediator that says, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing this thing. Seems like he's not, he needs to say he wants to get picked up. What does he do when he says that? Oh, he puts his hands out. That's how he says he wants to be picked up. Are you noticing how he's kind of looking frustrated and pushing down at your hands? Right. To me, that says that he doesn't really want to be picked up right now. You're still wanting to pick him up. I'm going to help you. I'm going to let's, I'm going to move him away. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm going to help you. I know you want to pick him up. Where were you going to carry him? Where were you taking him? Could we, could you entice him to crawl? toward you. Could you leave some little breadcrumbs and have him? We're getting to her need and saying, we get the impulse, right? We got to stop the behavior. We're setting a love and limit, but what's the impulse here? Mm -hmm. Let's help you figure out how to get that need met in Mm -hmm. a different way. That's, that's working with somebody else. Right. Uh, let's see. On the topic of consent, can you speak on the balance of getting a child dressed when they run away and kick and don't do it themselves either? Mm. That's a big one. How old is the child? By balance, I mean your kid has to get dressed for outside, but you also don't want to chase them and grab them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how old is the kid? Um, I think we would just recommend running our resist approach, which is like, we're like, oh shit. <laughs> Again, they don't want to get dressed right now. They're not ready to get dressed right now. They need more <clears throat> connection, um, agency, information. Um, humor, humor, innovation, all those things. You said they're two and a half. Right. That's such a, a wiggly time. <clears throat> and it's that age yeah. where they really just code switch and toggle between, I need you to do it for me and I do it myself. Right? They're individuating in those toddler years mm-hmm. and it's beautiful and so infuriating. Yeah. Right? Or it's just really no. hard. Right? <laughs> I want to do it alone or you do it for me or just no. Just right. nothing. And I'm going to run away. And I think they're just saying they need connection somehow. They mm-hmm. need more information. So do you know where we're going to go next? Okay, what do we need to do to get that? Um, can we go outside naked, right? We walk Ooh, them through. That'd be kind of cold. The planning and stuff. Yeah. So what do we need? 
okay, I'm going to hide your clothes in your room. Mm -hmm. Or what if you climbed on my back and we go in, right? Yeah. Thinking Do you think that I could pu pull your pants on with my eyes closed? I'm going to grab pants and a shirt. And then if you sit right there on the couch, right over there, I'm going to have my eyes closed like squinty closed and I'm going to come over and try to get those pants on you. Right. I just even, that's when I started with my son opening his shirt where you could see through the neck and holding it and out. I would hold yeah. it out and he would run into it. Right. Uh -huh. So creating and saying, this is fun. I don't have an agenda over you. Mm -hmm. You are really agenda averse at this age, which is beautiful. Right. Mm -hmm. If our kids weren't, didn't have a healthy sense of resistance, we should be worried at two and a half. Mm -hmm. We want them to sense that power and say, mm -hmm. you know, Sense that power, we're low battery, we gotta go. Um, and say, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I need a little mm -hmm. bit more buy in. So, your mm -hmm. two and a half year old is saying, I need more buy in when we're getting dressed. Yeah. I need more connection that's, somehow. That's such a big right? ask because often that little demon on our shoulder or often our partners is like, You shouldn't have to make this fun for them. Why are you bending over you backwards just to just get dressed? You should say, Time to put clothes on, and then they go do it. And that's bullshit. That is not how a child grows. That is not how a child's brain works. When they're showing us they can't, not won't, can't, it means they're struggling and they need our scaffolding, support, connection, mm -hmm. right? But That's it's the so, magic sauce. It's so hard when that, like getting dressed is tied to leaving because mm -hmm. it adds the pressure. It ups with the yeah. ante. And I think Kelty did a beautiful job in bringing her kids to the car in various stages of dress and undress yeah. because it was too much pressure to put on them and on her to get everybody out the door yeah. in a certain Some way. Some parents could be like, okay, underwear, pants, shirt, hairbrush, teeth brushed, obviously. Socks coat, on. Socks on, coat on, shoes on. Then we march to the car. Right. We're like maybe a quarter of that. Maybe Sensitive before we get and spirited in the car. kids does not work that way, and right. that's okay. But that's that's our work is saying, gosh, okay, I have these expectations and intentions that they be fully clothed. Is that reasonable? Are they showing me that that's reasonable? Right. If they're showing me that that is an unreasonable expectation, that is not their fault. That is on me to change mm -hmm. and adapt my expectations, not toss them through the window and, you know, go to work naked or go to school naked or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but to kind of adapt those expectations a little bit to say, okay, so shirtless, we just bring it or socks go into the shoes and we carry them to the car piggyback. Well, and, and that's after what's the most important thing we're moving to the car right. is the number one thing. And that's after we've worked with them a different way. I think with mm -hmm. two and a half year olds, we're like, they can understand 99% of my words. Now mm -hmm. they can say some words too. So I should be able to just tell them that it's time to do whatever and they'll want to do it. No. That's not yeah. how two and a half year olds work. They need buy-in, emotional buy-in, not yeah. informational buy-in, right? Yeah, but they I need more. It might be worth even just making a list of those things. Like what are those roadblocks during the day? Yeah. What what are they? Okay, so getting to the car, it's always um, pants on, it's always teeth mm. brushed, it's always socks, it's always whatever. And saying, which of those can I let go of? Which of those can I put in a backpack mentally or figuratively or logistically really, mm -hmm. tangibly to bring with us? Which of those things can I be like, okay, toothbrushing, we'll do that at three when we get home. Right. Okay, cool. Or socks and shoes, let's bring them and the coat will bring it. Why mm -hmm. am I adding all this extra pressure to something that really is just about leaving the house? That's mm -hmm. the number one thing we have to do. So figure out what the actual goal is. Find all those roadblocks and see which ones you can let go of. Right. Or start earlier with, right? Yeah. All of it's like, it's in our control. It's in our power to plan earlier and dive in earlier if we can, yeah. to save some things for later. This is like one big experiment 
environment, all of this. And, and our kids' resistance is such a beautiful uh, reminder to us that we can't control everything. We can't control other humans. We have mm-hmm. to work with them, not against them. Yeah. We want to, you know, again, as we mentioned in the earlier in the episode, we do not want to extinguish the inner wisdom and authority that is lit in our kids and so beautiful and strong. Yeah. We want to build their skills around it so that they can use it for good yeah. to get their needs met and to support other people. Our little kids, our spirited, sensitive kids are so woke. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Yeah. And if we can learn from them, if we can look at that fierceness of spirit and heart with admiration and respect and still hold the limits where we need to, but be questioning those limits. What are my expectations? Where do these come from? Do they have to happen? Do they have to happen now? Do they have to happen in that way? Do they have to happen, um, you know, at all? Like those are the questions that that our, our kids call us in to ask mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. So we get straight on something so we're not shitting on their spirit all day. Uh, someone said, yes, so true. I think it's more me working on the fact that this happens so many times a day. I'm like that sometimes, but when it's so rep- repetitive, I can find it hard to stay consistent with patience. Yes. And that's when I instead that. of putting more pressure and control on our kid, that's when we need to take the pressure off ourselves and our expectations a little bit and get innovative and see how we can work with it. You're doing an amazing job. Hola, Rosalia. Evil Artistry says, of course, I'm having a hard time staying calm when she is elevated, upset, tired, hungry, whatever. It's hard to stay calm. I feel worn out and not feeling this calm shit. Yes, we hear you. We hear you. Download our big feelings guide. We talk about those beliefs. We talk about two of the 10 steps have to do with our own Mm self-regulation, right? Because that is the key to all of this is we can't show up for our kids if if we aren't, haven't shown up for ourselves, if we're not calming our nervous systems, how can we support and calm their nervous systems? Yeah. It's all connected and it's a long practice. You're doing an amazing job. There's no fail, right? Mm-hmm. There's no win. We're just moving forward Two people trying to get their needs met, right? With these little people, you're doing mm-hmm. an amazing job. Totally. Yeah. Someone says, is, is it all right to get to my child's level and let them know it's okay to balance out their emotions? Absolutely yeah. get down to your child's level. I'm not I'm not quite sure what you mean by balancing out their emotions. I think we we strive to welcome <clears throat> our kids' emotions, all of the emotions. We strive to connect to their underlying need. So we're hearing these mean words, these challenging behaviors, no resistance, all this stuff. And our goal in that moment is yes, through our empathized step of our resist approach to get down there close. And to say, what are you needing? How are you doing? What's our, going on for you? Our calm, our approach is what balances our kids' emotions ultimately. They are not built, they are not born to balance their own emotions. The way kids learn to balance their emotions is through our balancing of their emotions. Over time, they begin to take on that responsibility, just like we read to them 100%, and then they start recognizing letters, then they start recognizing Mm -hmm. words, they start putting words together, sentences Mm -hmm. together. Same goes for emotional regulation. They are not mm-hmm. born and built to do that alone. Yeah. That is our beautiful role as their attachment figure. And I think I worry about the word balance, and I'm not sure if this is what this parent is saying, but mm. but we all have this instinct to balance. So, And you and I have this with each other, which is right. works. We've made it functional somehow. But when our child is struggling, oh, I'm sad about this, we try to balance it by saying, don't be sad. It's yeah. okay. Or I'm really angry about this and saying, that's not that big of a deal. I'm going to try to balance this out. Right. And those are the things that we're trying to avoid because it's basically shutting down the impulse for our kids to be in touch with their inner wisdom and authority. It's invalidating. It's not acknowledging their, their feelings and their needs. 
And we want our kids to always stay in tune with their feelings and needs, even when they're a huge pain in the ass for us, even when they're so triggering for us, even when it's hard and repetitive. And like a couple parents have said over and over and feeling so chronic and it's so hard and we see you validating all of those emotions Mm -hmm. doesn't say you can have them all the time and let them out this way or be an adult who just like shits on everybody. It says that the deeper need, the human driving this need is valid, Mm -hmm. right? And the more awareness and focus we do in supporting it and getting aware of it and talking about it, right? The more you're going to be able to meet that need in a more adaptive way over time. Mm -hmm. And so that's why our primary goal is to just co-regulate and calm, just like when we held them, like uh, when they were babies, Mm -hmm. just calming our nervous system to their nervous system, our brain to their brain, that interbrain connection that Stuart Shanker talks about in his book, self-reg, which we would recommend. Um, all of this stuff is just, this is nothing we learned. This is nothing we predicted that we would need to do as parents. Mm-hmm. And this is the work, <clears throat> is this emotional co-regulation. This is one of the number one jobs that we have as parents and this opportunity to support our kids in this way, to build their nervous systems, to build their self-awareness, to build their communication skills, yeah. to build their empathy and compassion for others. And to build it all, <clears throat> not through correction, but through connection. Right. And that's the, the 180. That's the kind of like mind explosion. Like what? <clears throat> I, I have to connect about these things. We've grown up in this culture that says correct, teach, discipline in these ways. So they learn the things they need to learn. Right. And all of research, all the trainings we've taken, all the books we've read are saying, just lean in and love, lean in and connect, lean in and make everything you can a conversation when you're able. And it's progress, right? It's the practice. That's our, what we're all trying to do. Our presence is security for our kids. Let's just keep focusing on a loving, warm presence. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do all the fixing and all the talking. Let's just focus on our presence. That's that's our goal right now, right? Yes. Um, someone asked, <clears throat> is it possible to order it printed in a booklet like that? We don't have a printing um, capacity yet. We did for our guides. <clears throat> for our guides, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, we do what at Kinko's or there are so yeah. many places you can get it printed. A lot of folks print it at home and just... Come, staple yeah. it together our, all of our guides come in a pdf format yeah so we we're just talking about our big feelings guide which is on sale for 20 percent off this week um and we also have our quick visuals <clears throat> guide which is all of our visuals from instagram like over a hundred side by sides quotes mantras all the things um and our sibling conflict guide which came up so many times in this episode yeah. how to how to support everyone when they're bopping each other when they're arguing when they're whining when they're bickering all the things, um, not in the name of harmony and keeping everyone quiet and happy all the time, but in building real authentic relationships and true connection within our, our family so that we can stay, stay close through the ups and downs, through the years, um, through everything. That's our goal. And so that our kids can be conditioned to view themselves and have relationship with others in a way that supports their needs and supports another person's needs. That's what we're beginning in this relationship with them. We're their first partner, we're their first boss, we're their first friend, we're their first neighbor, right? All of those things were that that early role where we're setting the scene and programming them in yeah. a way. And not just for a relationship, yeah. but for conflict. What do our kids think about conflict if we come storming and yelling every time? They think that conflict is bad. They think that, that anytime they do something wrong or make a mistake or someone's disappointed or has another point of view, that's a threat to their sense of self. That's a threat to their belonging. That's a threat to their um, wholeheartedness and and um, value. Value. Yeah. And and that's really hard. So what we want to be trying to do is turn that around and say, when our kids are having conflict by themselves, with us, with a friend, with a sibling, we want to try our utmost 
to normalize that conflict and say, conflict is normal. Safe. It's going to happen. And I'm going to try to create a safe space for you to learn and grow within it. Right. And, and for us to learn and grow too, because we're new at all this, all of us. This is the work, everybody. I wish we could keep going with these questions. Um, Kirst Russell, um, beautiful question. Please DM us and, or we will do it this yeah. next week. Um, but we've got to sign off here. We're going to get cut off soon. This was amazing with you all. You're Thank all doing you. the work. We're, we're all in this together. We're all growing up together. We're parenting for sanity and social change, one conversation at a time. Mm -hmm. This is important work you're doing in your homes. You're changing not just yourself, not just your relationship mm -hmm. with your child, not just your family culture, but greater culture. Raising a child that understands power and privilege and love and boundaries and innovation and humor and yeah. communication in a, a different way, right? Yeah, and I always like to just sign off saying, whenever your child is resisting, whenever your siblings are fighting, all you have to do is keep everyone safe. Hold a little bit of a limit physically if you have to. Welcome all the feelings and we can always talk about it later, yeah. right? Those moments um, in the heat of the moment is when we've been conditioned to just get in there and react. And if we can just dial that presence back to just being a neutral support person, that is such a huge percentage of the work that we're trying to do, breaking those cycles. Right. So thank you for being here. Thank you for all the little love notes thank here. Thank you. It's feel really lovely love you seeing all. you all. <laughs> um, thanks. And we'll be back on Tuesday. Yes. Um, back on Wednesday of the podcast. Bye, Feel everybody. Awesome.